Today in the journey, Pastor Steve DeWitt shares a lesson about giving. Paul gives then two principles for how to how to live a very impoverished life. The first one is, is that in your giving of yourself, whatever it is, to some good cause to the church, the kingdom of God, make sure that you do it with great reluctance. And then you will have no joy in doing it. Because if you're, if you're reluctant to do it, you're not really happy about doing it. That's how those two things go together. It's very important. Give joylessly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously, but whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. That's our theme today on The Journey with Pastor Steve DeWitt as he shares a lesson about generosity and stewardship from 2 Corinthians. It's the first part of a cautioning message titled, How to Be Poor, Living an Impoverished Life. And you can listen to this message and others from our Living a Generous Life series online at thejourney.fm. There you can also find relevant resources. But right now, let's join Pastor Steve for today's message. How many of you have ever watched a program on TV that in some way dealt with getting rich? Yeah, okay. How many of you have ever read a book that in some way was giving you tips on how to, how to get ahead financially in some way? Okay, I've done that as well. Um, how many of you read an article about... Uh, you know, suggestions for how to cut your costs, heating costs, how to, how to, you know, make ends meet in some particular way. Probably seen that as well. Yeah, I've, I've read that, uh, read those as well. How many of you have ever heard a message on how to get poor? How to get poor. How to impoverish your life's experience. That is what today our message is going to be on, and I need to emphasize that today's message is on how to get poor. That is why I'm speaking on how to accomplish that, how to get that, and I emphasize it even more because first service, I think there might have been a few people who didn't get it. I am speaking on how to get poor. Maybe some of you can uh, relate to this story. This last week I had, my brother was here, you might remember this last weekend, my brother was here and his family. Uh, one of the traditions that when they come to visit me that we've developed now is that I will take the family, specifically the two girls and Zach, my nephew, uh, to Albany's Candy Factory for a fun little getaway. I'm sure many of you have probably been to Albany's Candy Factory. We have some of the Albanese's in our church, so it's kind of fun extra fun for me to, uh, to go there, and it's really fun for my nieces and my nephew. And so this year, they were like, hey, are we going to the candy factory? No, no. And then they were driving by, we steered it in. Ah, yes we are. And so we got in, and we, um, we, I said, okay, here's the deal. I will buy each of you one th whatever you want. One, one, pick one thing that you want, I'll get it for you. Okay, whatever you want. I mean, after all, they are missionary kids. So I had them look around, and I remember, I see, Abby, she wanted a, a sucker, so she got this big sucker thing, and then Anna, who's the younger sister, wants whatever the older sister has, so she wanted the sucker too. So Abby got a sucker, Anna got a sucker. My nephew, Zach, decided that he wanted a pound of candy, okay? <laughs> so he selected his gummy worms and his gummy bears and some of that kind of stuff, and they piled it all in this bag, 
uh, and I'm holding the bag, and I, I went and I got in line, and I waited in the long line, and I got to the register, and I paid for it, and I was carrying it out, and we were leaving, and as we were in the parking lot, I sort of decided that I wouldn't mind having one of those gummy bears myself, and so I reached into the bag to get one of the gummy bears, and perhaps you know what's about to happen. My nephew, Zach, looked at me and said, hey, Uncle Steve, don't eat my candy. I stopped. I looked at him. I was like, what? Yeah, my candy. Zach considered things that were given to him to be his. Comes quite natural to us, don't you think? We come out of the womb with this pre-programmed DNA thing somehow where we have this propensity to see things that are given to us as being ours or being mine. I'm sure that you know people like that, don't you? Yes, you do. So do I. Now, as we talk about this, you know, for a Christian, this is one of those areas that is very, I mean, this is rubber meets the road kind of Christianity. And I would say to you, if you're a guest with us today, that we believe here at Bethel in a practical Christianity. In other words, a kind of faith that isn't simply practiced for an hour on Sunday, but actually is impacting the way that I view every aspect of my life. And I I am a Christian when I go to work, and I'm a Christian in my home, and I'm a Christian in my school, and that means that I'm trying to be a good father or wife or husband or son. I'm trying to be a good employee. I I want to uh, be a student to the glory of God. We believe that Christianity is a lifestyle, and that when, the, when, when it really takes root in your heart, it impacts every aspect of your life, including what you do with your checkbook and how you handle the things that God gives to you. And of course, the Bible has much to say about this. Over the years, we've studied many of the passages that talk about it. I've said to you before that Jesus talked about money more than heaven and hell combined. So the Bible does not blush at all to talk about this particular area, and we don't want to if the Bible doesn't. Um, our, series, our little series that we're going to do is in 2 Corinthians, and I'm, I want to begin reading a passage uh, to you, but let me give you the context here for this passage is that Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, that's why it's called Corinthians, the church at Corinth, and beginning in chapter 8, he begins to talk about um, this offering that was being collected for the church at Jerusalem. Now, the church at Jerusalem was where the church began, and so uh, there's a kind of affection for that church, and they were under a great deal of persecution. They were in a lot of trouble, and so the other churches that had been started, the Christians were gathering an offering to give to the church at Jerusalem. And beginning in chapter 8, he begins describing that and, and talks about how the church at Macedonia, which is a different church, had been very generous in the way that they gave towards this offering. And what was notable about the church at Macedonia was that they were the poor people. The church of Macedonia, that whole region, had been ravaged by war. They had very few resources. And yet, the church at Macedonia had been very generous in giving towards this offering. We might look at it like uh, the church at Sierra Leone. We're familiar, we've become familiar as a church with the country of Sierra Leone, Africa, 
which has been ravaged by war, has very few resources. That would be similar to the church at Macedonia. So you could look at this and say, Paul's saying that the church at Sierra Leone had been very generous, and now he begins to challenge the church at Corinth to do the same. The difference, though, is that the, Corinth is a very wealthy city. It's a very, um, a very uh, powerful, famous city, and so the church, we could assume, had people of means within the congregation, and Paul now is challenging them with, their, with the generosity of the poor people, basically. And so he gets to chapter 9 now, and he says this, verse 6, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up in his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So today's message, again, I want to emphasize that today's message is how to get poor. How to live the impoverished life. Here's the first one that Paul brings up. If you want to be poor, sow sparingly. Sow sparingly. I could read the verse again. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. If you, if you want to get poor, don't give of yourself very much to anything or anybody. Don't sow. And Paul here uses a this is a farming illustration, and I grew up in Iowa, so people assume that I am an expert in this particular field, but there are a lot of fields there. Of course, we live in Indiana, so don't be pointing too many fingers this way, but uh, as I understand the whole farming thing, and my dad spent 40 years working for John Deere, okay, so that's the other part of my resume and being an expert in what I'm talking about here. As I understand it, the way that it works is that you take a seed you put it into the ground, a small seed into the ground, and what comes back is more than what you put in the ground. I'm pretty sure that's the way it's worked for a very, very long time. Farmers in our church will verify this for me. I also believe that the way that this works is that the more that you put into the ground, therefore, the more that you would receive back. Similarly, the less that you put into the ground, the less that you receive back. It's a pretty much a basic principle that Paul now is using to explain the way that God works. And the illustration here is comparing the giving to this offering to Jerusalem like a seed being sown. Generosity from the Corinthians would mean that God would be generous back to them. Stinginess would also receive its appropriate reward. God would not give much to them. This principle we find in other places. Uh, for example, in Galatians chapter 6, Paul uses the analogy in a slightly different way. He says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Say those words with me. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now here we're talking about an ethical or a moral category where God says, if you sow to the flesh, then you're going to get what the flesh gives. And that's bad. 
but you sow to the Spirit, you're going to get what the Spirit gives. And obviously that is good. That is desirable. The point, though, in the God is not mocked is, and in Paul in 2 Corinthians 6, is that we, we cannot avoid this. God is basically saying this is a principle by which I operate. And I'm God and you're not. And I'm telling you the way that it's going to work. You, you sow generously, you will reap generously. You sow uh, stingily and you will reap stinginess from God. And you can't mock Him. In other words, there is no, there's no deceiving Him. There's no playing games with Him. There is no little, our little rationalizations for why we do the things that we do or the corners that we cut or thinking nobody will know or nobody will notice. God is saying, you cannot mock me. You cannot, you cannot avoid this. This is the way that it is. You are generous to me. I will be generous to you. Another example of this is Luke 6. Jesus said, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use, uh, with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay? What you do, God will measure it back. Only you can't outgive God. You can't out uh, serve God. The blessings that God gives to us, whatever they may be, material or otherwise, we'll get into that a little bit are so much more than the seed that you put in the ground that you're really glad when the harvest comes. And God says, write it down, mark it down. This is the way that it works. You know, when my nephew was, was uh, a little stingy towards me, how did that make me feel? Like when he said, hey, don't eat my candy. Did that make me want to say, oh, let me go get you some more? I was like, Phew. I gave this to you in the first place. You know, that kind of thing. But let's just say that my nephew Zach saw me digging in and he goes, oh, Uncle Steve, you have all that you want. I love you. You just eat away. I'd have stopped and been like, I'm going to go get you some more, I think. That was really nice. Why? Because I want to give him candy. I want to, I want to bring joy into his life. I want to be a blessing to him. I love him. But when he's stingy towards me, that kind of saps my desire to want to be generous to him. Generosity to me and love to me makes me want to give him all the more. And God operates exactly the same way. That's the point that Paul is making here. Be generous to God, and God will be generous to you. So since this is a message on how to get poor, what I would suggest to you is that you do not follow this advice. In other words... One of our most important principles in being poor is to be stingy. Be stingy towards God. Avoid all opportunities to sacrifice for God. When that opportunity comes in your heart, say, no, I will not do that. I will, no, I'm going to walk away. Don't think about it. Do all that you can to avoid it. Now this is going to be hard to do if you go to a good church because Good churches regularly give you opportunities to invest in the kingdom of God and the work that God is doing in that church and in that community. So this is going to be difficult. You're going to have to work very hard at silencing that voice inside that says, you know, maybe I ought to be a, do this. Maybe I ought to be a part of that. But here's the good news is that if you silence it or if you ignore it, the longer that you do it, the easier it gets. Okay, so, so turn it off. Don't listen to it. And it gets easier. I would also highly recommend that you never see, let your children see you giving to God. 
Okay? If you're going to live the impoverished life, do not let your children see you sacrificing in any way for God. Don't do it. Uh, never let them see you go without something so that you can be generous to God. Never let them, for example, see you writing any kind of a check or giving money to, to somebody that has a particular need. Don't let them see that because that will develop in them sort of a thinking that maybe that's important and then they would go on to live a generous life and that would be a blessing to you. But this is a message on how to live the impoverished life. So don't do that. Don't let them see you doing that. Don't help them develop habits of giving. Early on in their life, they might tithe the rest of their life. You don't want that. When I was in elementary school, our local grocery was having this, this like promotion where, and they tied it to Monday Night Football. And when you bought groceries there, you got a little card, and you could rub off the card, and there was a score for the upcoming Monday Night Football game. And then there was another place you rubbed off, and it would tell you how much you won if the score was what the card that you had said. And so we had bought groceries there, and I was all into this whole thing. And uh, I rubbed it off. I remember it was an Oakland Raiders game. I don't remember who they played. But there was a score, and it was a really odd score. Like it was going to have to be like 21 to 5 or something like that, which would require, okay, it's going to have to be a field goal and a safety is the only way to get to number 5 in a game. I had very little hope, but I remember... That night, I wasn't allowed to stay up late enough to watch the end of the game. I went to bed all excited, like, oh, maybe tomorrow. And in the morning, I woke up, and I went running up, and I got the card, and I had to try to figure out what the score of the game was, which was very hard in the 70s to do. You didn't have Sports Center, You didn't have online checking. You had to wait for the right time for the score to come on the TV or whatever. It was like the dark ages back then. And so somehow I discovered what the score of the game was, and the score flashed up, and I had my card, and guess what? We won $100 in the 70s. <laughs> That's when $100 was like a fortune. And, of course, since I had been the one who rubbed the card off, I had been the one sort of um, managing the entire, I was representing the family and managing the entire thing, I felt like the $100 was really, should be coming to me because I was the one who had been uh, you know, sort of giving guidance to the whole thing. And all of us kids, we were so happy running around the house, and that day we were so excited until my parents informed us that we would be giving the money to a project at church. We're like, what? The church? And then our hearts were like, what a waste, you know, like, what we could do with that, but the church... Oh, I remember being so disappointed in that. But I learned a life lesson from my parents, didn't I? With what really matters in life. And it, that and many other things cultivated a spirit of giving amongst us kids that has, I think, gone on for all of us. And you don't want that. You don't want that. I mean, if you, if you teach your kids to be generous, then then they're going to be generous to lots of people, including you in their life. And that would lead to a blessing in your life. And you don't want that. This is a message on how to live the impoverished life. And so I would encourage you to not let your kids see you doing that kind of thing. And, and then they can cultivate those sort of selfish feelings and selfish lifestyle, which will only further the impoverishment of your own life. See, this is a very helpful message, isn't it? You see what I'm saying? 
Now, one big problem here, though, and I don't have a really good solution for you, is the fact that God says that he can't be mocked with it. In other words, he's very difficult to deceive. You can't, you can't, as much as you want to, think that he doesn't know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. He knows all of it, and he knows he's there ready to bless or not, and you can't hide anything from him. And I wish I could give you some advice. The only good thing I have to say is that since you can't deceive him, if you are stingy towards him, you can count on the fact that he'll be stingy towards you, which accomplishes the goal of the message. See? So in a way, it's a positive which if you're not getting where this message is going, then you're going to struggle all the rest of this way. <laughs> so, if you want to live the impoverished life, give stingily. Here's the second thing, is to make sure that in your giving, make sure in your giving that you always give reluctantly and joylessly. Okay, it's very important. Look at verse 7. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now here we have another key to this and how God works as he evaluates how we're living and, 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 and how we're giving. God loves a cheerful giver. The Greek word therefore, cheerful, is the Greek word hilarion. Sound like anything you've ever heard before? Hilarion. Sounds a lot like hilarious, right? And when something is hilarious to us, like you can think about, I think of teenage girls for some reason. They seem to have hilarity more than most people. They, they, they get laughing and they get giggling and they get all sort of, you know, they're, they're all, they can't stop it. It's like, it's like Niagara Falls. It just flows and it keeps going. And it can be annoying. You can tell them to shut up, but you cannot question their sincerity in doing it, can you? They are, it's coming from their heart. It's coming from within them. And that's what this word means, that God loves giving that is from the heart, that is, that is from within. Um, and so we're dealing now with giving on the level of motivation and what is my attitude in, in giving it. And we come to find out that God evaluates that as well, that that's a part of the uh, equation. Why am I doing what I'm doing? What's my spirit in doing it? God loves a cheerful giver. So... God, Paul gives then two principles for how to, how to live a very impoverished life. The first one is, is that in your giving of yourself, whatever it is, to some good cause, to the church, the kingdom of God, make sure that you do it with great reluctance. Some translations go with the word grudgingly. We might say begrudgingly. Do service to the Lord. Give resources to missions works. Support uh, local parachurch ministries but don't want to do it, okay? Do it with reluctance. And then you will have no joy in doing it. Because if you're, if you're reluctant to do it, you're not really happy about doing it. That's how those two things go together. It's very important. Give joylessly. It's not just the giving that God looks at. It's what's behind it. You're listening to The Journey and the first part of a message called How to Be Poor. You can replay this message and find related resources when you visit us online at thejourney.fm. Well, here on The Journey, it's our mission to encourage and equip you in your journey of faith. And that's why each and every day we broadcast the truth of God's Word to men and women all over the world. But without our listeners, this wouldn't be possible. When you support this ministry by becoming a monthly partner or giving a one-time gift, you help cover the cost of delivering this Bible teaching program on the radio and web. So would you consider giving to support this critical mission? You can call us at 844-7-JOURNEY. 
That's 844-756-8763. Or give online at thejourney.fm. And to say thanks for your gift, we'll be sending you The Treasure Principle by Randy Elkhorn. Jesus spent more time talking about money and possessions than about heaven and hell combined. But too often, we've overlooked or misunderstood this profound teaching on this topic found in Matthew 6. In The Treasure Principle, Alcorn offers us life-changing investment advice from Christ himself and helps us discover the joy of generous living. And you can request your copy of this excellent book when you call us at 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or visit thejourney.fm. And if you live nearby, consider joining us for worship at Bethel Church where Steve DeWitt serves as senior pastor. We're located in Crown Point, Indiana, with multi-site campuses in Cedar Lake and Hobart. You'll find directions and all the info you need to plan your visit at BethelWeb.org. Well, I'm Tim Svoboda. Be sure to join us next time for more teaching from Pastor Steve DeWitt here on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.